Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper the Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. And today, super exciting passage, Acts 5, 1 through 17. Who is sitting with me today? All right. On your left, you've got <laughs> Nicole Mitchell. Back um, from Thailand. Yeah. Josh and I are back from T-Land. Today's my first day back at work. <laughs> I feel you so tired. tired. Yeah. Feels yeah. We're crazy. both uh, pretty jet lagged. Mm-hmm. My name is Josh. I was the preacher this Sunday. Awesome. So today I am very excited to talk about one specific question. That's the Ananias Assistance Fire passage. And we're going to find out, did God really kill them? So let's get into it. But first, let's roll that theme song. So let's get right into it. Josh, since you are the expert in the room, did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? Yes, I, I, I think so. Why, why do you ask it like that? Okay, so if you read the passage, it never says he does. Well, okay, first I think we should recap the passage. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, we can do that. <laughs> um, is ESV okay for everybody? Yes. Yes. Just paraphrase it, Jeff. Well, okay. The, the phrase is, they breathe their last. So let me find it. While it remained unsold... Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you contrive this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. So it mentions that he's lying to God, not man, but it doesn't say God killed him. So why do we always hear that? God is the one who did this. Oh, so you're not asking whether or not he died. You're asking if God was the cause of the death. Yeah, what's the yeah. cause of death? What's on the, the death certificate? Because in my mind, it's like, well, it's a euphemism, right? Like, he, it's a less offensive term. Uh, often in the Bible, instead of saying someone died, it says they go to sleep. Oh, no, no. Uh, I want to know who's the murderer yeah, here. Who, did God kill him? <laughs> well, it, it, when you read the text, it feels like the cause is Peter's declaration of his sin over him, and then the consequence is his breathing the last based on the sin he committed, the confrontation of that sin, breathing his last. Now, uh, if you're saying, how do I know that's God? It, it feels like the warning was for the church, and so the, yeah, the culprit here, so to say, um, I almost want to go into God's sovereignty, because in the book of Psalms, it says every hair on our head's numbered every day of our life is already accounted for before we're born. So did God know this was going to happen? Yes. Uh, so therefore, God causes every death. God, therefore, God has been killing people <laughs> from day one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's Sin what you're saying. has been killing <laughs> people since day one. Our listens just went down <laughs> drastically. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, God has been giving life since day one. Sin has been bringing death since day one. Uh, but ultimately, God is sovereign over death. So yes, God killed Ananias. And three hours later, his wife, Sapphira. Yeah. So it's just based on context clues. We don't always have to have the words, God killed him. It's just, he lied to God and then he died. So, Unless he uh, magically had a heart attack in that very moment, which I guess is on the table. And then his wife does too. His yeah. wife has but a heart attack. But even then, that would be God. God, sin. The human body stopped doing what it usually does in that exact moment. Yeah. Thanks for coming to today's podcast. Yep. Okay. Well, that's the only <laughs> have question a great I day. have. You guys have anything else? The other no. option is like some unnamed person stabbed him and, you know, and they just didn't tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke is a doctor. And so Luke says he breathed his last as a way of communicating. He dies and to say natural causes could be on the table, I guess. But in the context, it feels like. It is the consequence of his sin. So Ananias got literally what the Bible tells all of us we get metaphorically. Mm. That sin leads to death. So the the message on Sunday kind of focused on the secret sin part. So before we get there, I've got one other fun question. Hopefully it's fun for everybody else. It is for me. It seems like when Sapphira comes in, Peter knows what's about to happen. Yeah. And he's like, the people who just buried your husband are at the doorstep. Yeah. Like, that seems uh, kind of creepy, scary that Peter would know that's going to happen. Is that just because he's in touch with like, this is the way the kingdom works and if you lie, you're going to die? 
I don't I don't know. It's it's a fascinating marker in the story. Up to this point in the book of Acts, there's been nothing like this. All of the miracles have been beautiful and good and healings and miraculously speaking in different languages. And, and, and all of that is well received by us as believers who read the Bible. But this is a miracle too. This is miraculous too. This is a sign too. Uh, it's just a sign of judgment. And judgment signs are not as well received as healing signs are typically well received. Yeah, it is a crazy story. Um, okay, so the other thing that I want to talk about in terms of this story is that, um, just to catch everybody up if you're not familiar with the story, uh, Barnabas, another believer, yeah. sells a field, gives all the proceeds to the church, they split it. To the, those in need, right? From his own volition. Nobody yeah. asked, just his own convi- spirit-led, sees people in need, sells the field, brings all the money. What a what a gift. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a, as if, because I think you could easily read this and uh, think it's like a prescription for the church. Like, we should all be selling all of our stuff. We should be communist. We Nothing is ours, so it all belongs to the church. But that's not what is happening. Right. The The thing that killed them is... The, the lying about it. They create this scenario to make themselves look good and that's what kills them. Am I right there? Comparison. The the heart of this is he he and she, the husband and wife, schemed. They saw the glory of what Barnabas did. They wanted some of that glory without experiencing some of the inconvenience. So they, uh, it's, it's ultimately like this, the, I want to say the sin or the crime of embezzlement is what, saying a certain number is what you got when really you got more and then holding back some for yourself. That's, Mm -hmm. that's embezzlement. So they did that, but also they had comparison, which ultimately we use one word for this and it's the word hypocrisy that, that they were hypocritical in what they did. And, uh, it says they lied to the Holy spirit. They Peter in that text you read earlier, he tells them you, you didn't have to do this. (laughs) It was your field. Nobody asked you to do this. Like you, you did that. What happened that you would lie to the spirit? Yeah. So, okay. A uh, last spicy question before we get to the secret sin part. Um, doesn't it, to me, it's an odd contrast that Jesus literally just got done dying for their sins and coming back for them. Like the picture, perfect picture of grace. Um, but then they commit this one sin and then are killed. Boom. How do how do we make sense of that? It it seems like this the grace and the law or the grace and truth are coming to a head. And yes, Jesus died for all of us. But if you're going to lie to God, God's going to kill you, possibly. How do we hold those two truths together? That's a good question. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I think the death of Jesus Christ makes our sin that much more consequential to God. Um, cause in the old Testament, there's, there's people dying and you're like, Oh, that's the old Testament. God, new Testament, God's grace, old Testament, God's law. I think this is, this is a picture that goes, uh, this, the son of God has laid down his life for you. Now your sin is more costly. Look how precious you saw Jesus die for that sin. Mm. How dare you hide it now? Uh, because the wages of sin is still death. Uh, you just literally saw a month ago, Jesus die for you. So I, I don't know that, again, we're so used to grace, we're, we're shocked by justice. Uh, I feel like even in this sense, though, like, this was a grace to them. Like, they're just, like, turning around and throwing what Jesus did in God's face. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, God showing grace to them because they were going to keep doing that. They were just, like, living that life of sin. And God showing grace to them was just ending their life and making it a lesson. Nicole, do you think Ananias and Sapphira went to heaven? <laughs> um this should not I think be taking so. this long yeah okay thank you why do you think they did uh well they believed in god yeah that's why it's grace yeah um that's why it's grace something we rarely talk about in the garden of eden is when they take the the fruit and eat it they now have the knowledge of good and evil and they live forever and so god puts the angel blocking the tree of life and so, in, in other words, th- this is an interesting thought, at least for my brain. God gives Adam and Eve and all of humanity the gift of death. Mm-hmm. Interesting thought. 
because if you don't get that, then you're eternally separated from God, God. never dying mm-hmm. in your state of sin. And so if you look at the creation account, God covers Adam and Eve with animal skin, like something had to die for them. They're mm-hmm. covered. And then he protects them from this ongoing everlasting separation. And so it's, it's an interesting truth, but, but death is God's grace. Mm-hmm. When you were researching, did you, uh, come across anything about their names? Ananias and Sapphira and what they mean? No. Okay, so an- Ananias apparently. Now this is this is some website. So this person. Watch out, Josh. Just Jeff is coming totally for your position as head I am not a pro- <laughs> professional researcher, um, but Ananias uh, means uh, gracious Jehovah, and Sapphira is a sapphire, which was the the emblem on the breastplate of the priests. So it's literally the marriage of truth and grace. Um, which is just, I thought, interesting. I, I can take that really? no further. Um, but yeah, I think that's fun. It's so cool when you study the Bible and you're like, oh, the Holy Spirit is a good writer. I, I, I respect and appreciate a good like nugget like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to take that one, Jeff, to be good. I'll give you the website. Yeah. He'll preach about this no, every time. And I like only a good to nugget. mention that story. <laughs> <laughs> There's always these like, did you know that Ananias has seven letters and Sapphira has eight oh. letters? And, he, you know, that kind of stuff. Were you one of the kids me. that got terrified of the Bible code book? <laughs> yeah. Remember? Dude, yeah. those are weird. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So Any, I'm, glad, I'm glad you didn't do that. No, I didn't. I, it's Yeah, no. It's, That's really cool. I didn't take shared. it too far. Well too done. Far. Um, okay, cool. So let's go into kind of the, the crux of the whole message. And that is that, um, these secret sins are killing us. They are deadly in and of themselves. You laid out ways for us to avoid them. Um, how do we do it? Share, sharing this message was, uh, that we shared it on father's day. So that, that in and of itself was just different and interesting. And, and I was having some uncertainty we were coming back from Thailand. I'm working on it on the plane, that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh man, we should have, we should have thought this through. Like to teach this on Father's Day is... After having a special Mother's Day one too. Yeah. <laughs> this is the classic. Mothers, we love you. You're so awesome. Dad, stop hiding your sin. Yeah, you broken. Get your life men. together. Yeah. So sorry about that, dads. Uh, but as I worked through it, I found myself hopeful. I found myself feeling like... Uh, this is this is the good news of what Christ has accomplished, and this is the good news of the gift of Christian community. Mm-hmm. That if you have things that you're hiding or scheming about, then believe the gospel that you've already been outed in Christ on the cross. The cross happened because you are a sinner. You've got all kinds of brokenness. So what if you test that theory and start to be a person of confession, start to build a community, not just around hobbies and uh, interests, but rather build a community around vulnerability and confession of sin and bearing one another's burdens. And so as we worked through it, I found myself getting hopeful and saying like, this this message can help us. It could actually set some of us free because if we're not careful, we're, we're going to walk around burdened and carrying things that God didn't intend us to carry. Going back to when Nicole said that it was gracious to Ananias and Sapphira, it was really the way that I say it, it was gracious to the church. Yeah. Like weeding that type of life out of the church. Like there's no place in the kingdom for that type of behavior. So we got to kill them. It's hard. Uh, I try to start the, the sermon with a story about hypocrisy and how my mom worked in a bar and I would go to the bar and, and there'd be people from the bar at the church and I would feel like, oh, there's this, these people are hypocrites. Uh, and my mom was like, where do you want them to be, Josh? Do you want them to be in the church? And so I meant to make the joke that like, hey, if you were at the bar last night, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> because I think the world does look at the church and they're like, why would I ever want to participate with you liars, you hypocrites? And so uh, I don't know if that's the vibe in the coffee shop you work at, Nicole, that church people are hypocrites. Um, I think it used to be. And then, then they, they met, met me. <laughs> And the then, sinless one. Yeah. No, the holy her one. Perfection. No, but I, I do want to say something, Josh. I first I started my notes on Sunday with a quote from you. Like <laughs> I heard you say this and I was like, I have to write this down to make fun of him on the podcast. I'm worried. So first I'm gonna call you hypocritical for making fun of the Gen Z. And then second, I'm gonna quote you quote, It's gonna slay. It's gonna slay? That's what I you said. said that? That? <laughs> 
<laughs> you did. Yeah, that's great. He said it during the 11 a.m. You're like, it's going to slay. And then I was like, no way Josh just said this. About so. preaching on this text for yeah. Father's Day? I said it's going to slay? <laughs> yep. It did. So, I thought it slayed. I'm like, if oh, you're going to make fun of Gen Z, you cannot be touching our lingo, man. So disappointed in yeah. myself. So. Why not? You got, yeah, why not? I You've like, been discipling yeah. me, Nicole. I've been it makes us feel good. You. Just 10 days with Josh and you say, I don't even say slay. Nicole, just wait till you get in your late 30s. My brother already 40s. called me old. He was like, I'm scared to get old like you. You will, you will grasp <laughs> with everything you can, like nails on a chalkboard. Please don't make me feel out of touch. <laughs> and you will try to say things like slay and mid and <laughs> T and all the things that are said. Um, it's gonna happen. It is. It is. I so see. It I don't. In bl- you, Josh. I don't blame Josh for saying slay. <laughs> but yeah, I just had to say that before we forgive moved me. On. Yeah, forgive mm-hmm. me for that. Well, this little segment on the podcast definitely slayed. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, secret sin kills the church, kills our souls. Um, what were some of the ways that you laid out, and can you expand on any of them? Things that you didn't get to, or um, other other parts in this part of the message. Yeah, in the in the middle part, I talked about the the harboring of secret sin hinders gospel community. It doesn't allow you to walk in the community you need. And you, you wish that Sapphira would have told Ananias, like, man, don't do it. Like, don't do it. Uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So you have a hope that in the life of the church, when you start scheming, you don't just harbor that in your mind, but rather you share with someone, like, hey, I'm starting to scheme about this. I'm starting to daydream about this. Uh, and then I referenced um, needing to be less fragile so that you can receive feedback and accountability. So I think one of the things that's hard for people to share uh, is because they don't want to get feedback. They don't want someone to tell them like, hey, that that is sinful. Hey, that's a weird thought. Or hey, that's scheming. Or hey, that's unhealthy. Uh, because again, we have a, a culture obsessed with, obsessed with being affirmed. Like just whatever your truth is, do your truth. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Mulan 2 with my daughters. Uh, <laughs> which is, Mulan 1 may be like the greatest... Disney. That's your favorite Prince. movie, it's my right? Favorite. We were talking about that. I love Mulan one. Mulan two takes a very different path, and not <laughs> not as near as beautiful as Mulan one. But there's this ongoing theme of like the truest thing you can do is just follow your heart. You know, do mm. this thing. And, and so anytime someone tells them not to do that, it's like oh, that's oppressive. I'm I'm doing the most pure thing. And so I tried to say to the church, um, you can't be trusted to do the most pure thing. Your heart is wicked. And you need people who love you enough to tell you the truth about you. Uh, but but that requires you to be less fragile. Um, and so do, do we have fragile Christians among us? I Am I one of them sometimes? Yes. But that's, that's part of the work to be done. Yeah. One of the things, I didn't finish the quote because I was taking notes and I just didn't finish it. Because that's something to the effect of it's better to live in the light, talking about, mm. um, you know, making your sins known and risk it than to live in the darkness and then you just kind of keep going down and getting darker and darker. Um, that's, that seems hard. That seems hard to be vulnerable. How do we, what, what makes that easier? Or is it just always going to be hard? Initially it's risky. Just like going the first time to a spin class or some workout. Like there, there's a risk a spin there. Class. Spin class. I've never been to a spin class. Have you been to a spin class? No, but like why was that your first example? <laughs> I'm referencing group workouts. Okay, like I see. The, the moment you show up to a group workout, right? Yeah. I, I love okay. your post-Thailand dynamic, you two. This is great. <laughs> Keep it up. I like, we would need more of this on the podcast. Here's the dynamic. Josh says something, Nicole makes fun of it. That's yeah. the whole dynamic. Nicole doesn't it's, say anything to get made yeah. fun of. Until he Nicole turns wins. around in the car. Stop talking. It's <laughs> not, not what I said. Oh man. Okay. Any group workout class in any way, there's a certain apprehension. There's a risk. Tybo. Uh, Tybo, whatever. Throwback. Yoga. But it doesn't take long before you show up and you're a regular and you like it and the, the team is actually helping hold you accountable and you're growing and all that stuff's happening. So I just, I think it, it requires putting yourself out there the first time you confess sin to someone. But when you're received well, empathetically, and you can get prayed for, I think it becomes a healthy habit. And so confessing sins is a healthy habit for your whole life. And I try to say that's the whole design of Christian community. Often you think Christian community's design is just like to heal you from loneliness. Like I need to not be lonely so I should join a house church. Uh, I need to make some Christian friends so I should join a house church. When really you should think I need people who will help me fight my sin and 
help me grow in Christ and sharpen me. Therefore, I need a house church. So I was trying to dichotomize that, that our design of church is not just social. Our design of church is spiritual, mm-hmm. that you need help. So it, it's risky. Uh, it's risky, but it's worth it. So to get specific for our church, so we have these house churches, 25, 26 of them. Um, I've been going nearly every week since we started. Yeah. And never once has there been a, uh, an opportunity for me to confess sin. If I just started or at dinner and say, hey, guys, I looked at porn last night. Sorry. That would feel weird. So what is like the practical totally. steps? Is it house church? Is it huddle? Is it your best friend on the side text? texting back and forth. How do we make this a reality? So socially house church would be a bizarre environment to share secret sin. Just in the same way, if you're at a social event with your friends, it would be a weird thing. So that's just social norms. <laughs> don't do that. You're just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't be weird as a decent principle in this, this space. Uh, be culturally, sorry, socially and culturally appropriate. Now the point of house church is to get you around others that can become your friend that can walk with you and that ultimately can be the person you share with. So you should be building relationships in house church. And that's a much more conducive environment than Sunday. The odds really of, huddle. Yeah. Huddle is the, the additional environment where you're intended to show up and confess your sins. And if you don't, it's weird. Yeah. So think of it this way. If you confess in house church too publicly, weird over dinner, weird. If you don't confess and huddle, weird. <laughs> Yeah. They're different environments. They're different environments. In my huddle, when nobody confesses anything, we're like, what are we doing this for? Yeah. <laughs> so we're all going to be a bunch of liars again. <laughs> right. What is, so not everybody is in a huddle. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's people listening that are like, wait, what? Yeah. What is that? How do I get involved in that? And practically, how do they? What What steps should they take if that seems something that they want to add to their Christian life. Yeah. Huddle is a disciple making environment that I learned about through uh, a church in the UK and the the movement's called 3DM. There's a book called Building a Discipleship Culture. Uh, None of that's incredibly relevant to this moment. But for us, we're saying if you get in a huddle, that is the space where you grow into the likeness of Jesus, into the wisdom of Jesus, into the power of Jesus. And it's usually three or four women together, three or four men together, who belong to the same house church, who gather once a week, once every two weeks, and they primarily do two things. They repent and they believe. They Mm -hmm. repent and they believe. And repentance is confessional. So if you're listening and you're not in a huddle, the question is, are you in a house church? And if you're in a house church and not in a huddle, it's probably because your house church leader is trying really hard to figure out huddle, and you should talk to them about that. Or maybe it's because you haven't taken the step of joining Grace Church and becoming a member. Because uh, Huddle is really designed to help our members, people that say, hey, I go here, I'm all in here, uh, helping them become all that God's asked them to be as mm-hmm. a disciple. Uh, being a member comes first, right? Ideally. Yeah. Um, or if you're in a Huddle and not a member, we'd say, hey, at the next membership gathering, you yeah. should you should join in. Um, we as Grace Church do not offer the religious goods and services called disciple making. <laughs> that's, not, mm-hmm. that's not something we offer the city of San Diego. But we say we want to make disciples of people who want to be members and mm-hmm. join us. Uh, and that that pathway is Sunday gathering, house church, then huddle. So you you guys are in huddles, and, and there's some people in your house church that's not in a huddle. Mm-hmm. But you hope that one day you'll have enough to, to cover them. It's yeah. a little complicated without, like, I feel like I need a whiteboard sure. and draw this out. Yeah, it's hard, hard to do that on a podcast. Um, okay, cool. Makes total sense. Get in a huddle. You start confessing sin. Um, Nicole even just said it. If you're not confessing something, what are you doing? Like the idea is that we will be sinning the rest of our lives. Yes. Right. And so one another thing you said in the message is, um, if you're fighting back, then you're not dead yet. Like mm. what? What? How do you say it? If you're something about your well, dead. if you're still fighting back, then that means you're alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not, it means you're dead. You've said that like one other time before. And I feel like both times it's hit me just like just as hard. And mm. I really like that. Because the, the question is, what if I keep messing up? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I can't seem to get over this thing, this guy, this girl, this problem, this obs- whatever. Uh, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Um, and and even the fact that you're trying Mm-hmm. means that God's not done and you should keep trying. 
And is it going to be a battle? Of course. Every metaphor in the New Testament feels like it's war, athlete, beat your body, fight back, you know, like soldier, armor of God. Uh, there's a real enemy who wants you to stay enslaved to sin. Yeah. And, uh, and the truth is, even in the Exodus story, even when they're free from slavery, they, they want to go back. Uh, in the Psalms, uh, Psalms or Proverbs, check me on this one, but it's like okay. at, fact check. <laughs> as the, hey, Jerry, I feel like I need to make up a fake person in the room that's Jerry? a fact checker. Jerry it, is his name. It's a pretty, <laughs> whether it's Proverbs or Psalms or somewhere else, it's a grotesque picture that says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so you return to sin. Have yeah. you ever, this is gross, you ever seen a dog throw up and then eat it? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I for have. Sure. It's, it's disgusting. Awful. Why do you have a picture? No, it's a, it's like, have you ever seen that in real life? Yeah, I have. But Josh said, Jeff said, I have a picture. No, I didn't. A mental oh. picture. Mental oh. picture. <laughs> I can see it in my head. It's usually oh. a small dog. It, or like the white crusty dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The okay. curly haired ones. But like, okay, as gross as that is, our heavenly father says, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I tried to say this. I, I don't think I did a good job, but like there's a part of us that are supposed to be jarred by the fact that we keep going back to the well that won't satisfy. But if you're fighting and trying, it means you're not dead. Because in war, when you're dead, you stop shooting back. <laughs> you stop fighting, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, so keep keep fighting while you're alive. And I think, you know, we talk about the enemy being the deceiver, the one who twists the truth to, to just screw us up. When we forget that God uses sinners, that the, that's the only way that God works in this world. Well, there's miracles, but for those who have put their faith in Jesus, he only works through sinners. He's not waiting for us to get done with our alcohol addiction to then go make disciples. Like we are here today. Now we don't have to wait to go do the work of the kingdom. Right. Yeah. Then, um, I guess put it into words. How then why is it important that we rid our life of sin if God can use sinners anyway? The, the ridding our lives of sin, in my own experience, in my own understanding, is, is for your joy, hmm. uh, for your freedom, for unhindered intimacy. Uh, so Jeff and I are married. Nicole's not there yet. Not to each other. Yeah. Oh, I was like, wait, what kind Jeff's of married to Rachel. She's wonderful. I'm married to Amy. You just spent 10 days with her in Thailand. Amy is my new best friend. If, <laughs> if you've met Amy, then you'll like her more than Josh. Every, duh. Facts. <laughs> Resounding yes. The, the intimacy that a husband has with his wife can be hindered. It can by foolishness online, foolishness in the real world, brokenness. Uh, but when you're connected and you've spent time together and there's unhindered intimacy, th- there's not much of a greater gift in this life than unhindered intimacy with your spouse. And that's a picture of what Christ has with the church and what we should have with God. And so why should you fight sin when God uses sinners? Uh, do you, do you want to be free? Do you want to pray with no guilty conscience? Do you want to worship freely? Do you want to have joy and because usually past that is is boldness and confidence and and so faith is usually increased when you start to fight back against sin mm. uh, but there's a there's a contrast here just because you have a dark past just because you have present struggles it doesn't mean you're unusable it doesn't uh, but the same ask is on all of us the cost of discipleship is the same kill your sin fight back uh, why because you love God and he is your treasure uh, not because if you don't, he's mad at you. That kind of... Yeah. Can I also add... Sorry, Jeff. Please. But like, I feel like, yeah, us keeping on fighting means that we're still alive, but that doesn't mean that God will stop fighting for you if you do. Oh my gosh, that is so good. I, I think nine times out of 10, God has been fighting for you far yeah. more than you fought back against I him. know for a fact, like when I stopped fighting in my testimony... God came swinging, hit me in the process, but we're here. Mm. So I think I just wanted to kind of say that before. There's a, a old Christian band called DC Talk. Do you guys know DC Talk? Oh, yeah. I know DC Talk. Do you know DC Talk? Nicole? You said old. I'm out of this conversation. You don't know DC Talk? They wrote the Were song they? Jesus, Jesus Freak. No. Rolling around like a bowl full of jelly. 
<laughs> no. Mar- marmalade jelly. Marmalade jelly. Yeah. Uh, do you know the Christian artist uh, Toby Mac? Mm-mm. Now here's the drama. There's a lot of drama with okay. Toby Mac. Anyway, <laughs> this isn't a '90s Christian music podcast. Here, so. uh, I went to a concert. This is this has a point. <gasps> I went to a concert back in the day that was DC Talk, and then the opening acts for DC Talk were each one of their band members doing a solo act. So you had Toby Mac, you had Kevin Max, and you had um, uh, Jerry. Look that up. Gosh, what's his name? DC. Um, <laughs> it'll come to me. He's like the lead singer of the Newsboys now. Derek. So. The the intro was these guys doing their own thing. And the memory that I have is, I feel like you're going to Google this and find it right as I'm Kevin looking. Max, Michael Tate. Michael Tate. Michael Tate. His band was called Tate. Okay, so you had uh, Toby Mac, Kevin Max, and Tate. They all played as intros and they did the thing together. Toby Mac told a story using the prodigal son. And he said, uh, the prodigal son leaves the father's house and he goes and he does all these sins, right? Uh and then he finally turns to come back home, finally. And he said, often in the Christian life, he used this metaphor, he like walked way across the stage. He's like, when you turn around, you think you have to go back through all of those sins to get back to God. You've got to like pay for all the stuff. He said, in the Christian life, once you turn around, what you'll see is that the Father has already met you right there. Mm-hmm. Like all you do is turn and the Father meets you. And then if you choose to go back through all that stuff, the Father is going to walk through you, walk all that stuff, with you. walk with you through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was moved by that as a young, I mean, I that was 20 years ago probably. And so for those listening who are like, man, I have a dark past. Uh, I stopped fighting my sin long ago. God is there waiting for you to turn. That's mm-hmm. it. Just turn. That's what repent means, to turn. And then you'll find the good news of the gospel it's that God has not left you and he's not forsaken you. Uh, but often we leave and forsake him. And that's the sad part. Yeah. There's so many um, paradoxes in the Christian faith, the grace and truth thing. Like how could you possibly hold grace and truth together? There's like the shame of sin, but also the fact that Jesus is right there mm-hmm. when you turn around. Um, I don't even have a question. It's just, <laughs> it's so hard to... Um, Put the kingdom into words. It's I not, you can't love. describe it. Just love. Like there's tough love, there's graceful love. How, do, how would you describe, what's, what's the definition of love? Everything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. There's grace, but then there's also, what'd you call it? Truth or the law. Truth, yeah, the law. And then there is forgiveness, but then there's also the challenge to repent. So I feel like, Love carries the, both sides of the they're coin. They're contradictory ideas. Yeah, God How disciplines do, those he loves. Mm-hmm. Sounds contradictory. I love my kids, discipline my kids. It, it's it's just a complex truth that... Okay, in, in the Bible, there's two different kinds of guilt. There's godly guilt and there's worldly guilt. So even that's an interesting thought. Like you, you can have guilt that is more about you and about your stuff and shame on you and beat yourself up. Or you can have a godly guilt that says, uh, this is King David in Psalm 51. Uh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your great love, according to your mercy. Uh, wash me clean. And so David understands that it's God's character and God's goodness that he's sinned against. And that's that's what he's repenting of. And so there's a certain level of guilt that actually brings God glory. And there's a certain level of guilt that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And even those two things are in contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is good stuff. Okay, so I'll share a little bit about my history when it comes to sin. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the, what I went through to help others. So the story of my life is I grew up in the church, uh, sinned a lot, felt bad about the sin, completely flipped around, started like watching the 700 Club and reading the Bible all the time and like no sin. That led to judgment. And then eventually the sin came back and it's this roller coaster of going up and down and up and down and up and down, which was not healthy. Um, but then a few years ago I started to go to a therapist and one of the things I wasn't talking about sin, but it was something similar um, when it, like with depression and the, just the malaise that you feel sometimes. Um, and he's like, when you start to feel really happy, make a conscious effort once that has faded to go back to neutral because your brain is constantly trying to create 
uh, a symmetry with your feelings. And he's like, and the same token, when you feel depressed, don't go eat ice cream or don't do something to make you go way high. Go try to go back to neutral. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that actually practically meant other than me thinking, okay, be neutral now. Like that's what I, literally what I would do. So is there any carryover from what my therapist told me for the life of a Christian who seems like they are on this roller coaster of sinning and then not sinning and then sinning and then not sinning and then sinning and then not sinning? Or is that just, is that just the path that we're all on? I, I think it's the path we're on. Mm. Um, There's, this should make us long for heaven. This should make us long to be free from sin. This should make us hate sin. Uh, I've, I've heard it said like this, and it's really fairly close to how you're talking, Jeff. There's uh, two kinds of sin. There's the sin of unrighteousness and the sin of self-righteousness. And so you seem to have gone through both, right? You mm-hmm. were unrighteous, and then you've changed over to self-righteous. Yeah. And then you move to uh, exhaustion, <laughs> Like, I, I want to be done with this whole thing. Yeah. And so, if you talk about going to the middle, I, I think of the Apostle Paul, who was self-righteous as Saul gets, you know, meets Jesus, has a transformation, becomes actually righteous. And then here's what Paul seems to hold in balance for the remainder of his life. He He's very much in tune with how sinful he was and how sinful he is. Romans 7, what I want to do, I can't do. What I can't do, I want to do. Well, what a wretched man I am. Who could save me? Praise be to God. And then Romans 8, 1. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says there's 16, verse, 16 chapters in the book of Romans. Chapter 8's in the middle. The book of Romans is in the middle of the New Testament. He says the Romans 8, 1 is in the middle of the heart of God. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So somehow recognizing I am a sinner who's fighting, but I'm also not under condemnation is the task of the believer. And that's why I say, I've tried to say, every single day you have to believe again the gospel. And every single Sunday we could preach the gospel and it would not tire of its meaning and it would not lose a moment of relevance Hmm. because we sinned this week, right? So what do we need? We need the gospel again. We were talking about Tim Keller a couple weeks ago. I think that's why he was so refreshing to the world because he centralized the gospel in a way that we all desperately needed, <laughs> desperately needed. So good. So good. Drop um, the mic. Yep. <laughs> Slay. Uh, okay. So another thing you said, and these are just little practical nuggets that I wanted to revisit. Uh, never wait to get caught in your sin mm. because the cross has already outed you. Um, so what I think of when I hear that is like the, we're, we're stuck in this, uh, physical world when there's a spiritual world and a God who sees all things that we don't see. And so that's, we don't think of it a, a lot. Um, so how do we, um, how do we not get caught? How do, not, not like do it and not get caught, but right. how do we, how do we out ourselves? Huddle. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried it, Nicole? Tried what? Like, have you had a moment in huddle? You've been in it a few months now, right? Mm-hmm where you felt the power of somebody confessing something they definitely could have kept secret. And the group responded in a way that showed the beauty of community, the beauty yeah, of the gospel. Definitely. Just like where I feel like naturally we expect condemnation, just this kind of, I don't know, like throwing, getting thrown out by people, like especially in the church. Um, like my journey in the church was like, I started hiding my secret sin. Like, well, my sin became secret because I was scared to get thrown out when like this church is full of sinful people. Like I did not believe that in my heart and, um, like getting to step into from like that mindset and then into this huddle mindset where it's like, Oh, we're all sinning, but like talk about it. And it's kind of scary. It's very intimidating, but getting to witness like girls, my age, step up and step like into God's grace with us was like really cool and so beautiful on its own and empowering too, because you're like, yeah, like this is a real thing and we're not ignoring it anymore. We're like walking through it with each other and obviously with God. Yeah. The, you ever shared your sin with someone and then they just start to cry? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had that happen where you share and they, 
they're just grieved mm-hmm. for you. Um, I had a friend, like guy I went to college with, called me. It's been probably two months now, and just shared some like heavy stuff that he was experiencing, and it just made me feel. Um, I I think feel the heart of God mm-hmm. towards him. And what he needed from me and what I think God's grace was allowing me to provide. And, and in other moments, it's been the other way around that other people have provided this for me is they, you can provide the hope of healing and the hope of restoration to someone when in the moment they have no thoughts of hope. All they see is the brokenness of what they've done, the hopelessness of what's happening. That's the fertile ground for the enemy to lie to you. That's the ground that leads you into despair and the Christian community can step in and say, no, uh, you don't have to despair. Mm-hmm. And they can remind you again of who you are and the truth. And uh, and that's kind of what I'm talking about, that it's risky, but if you out yourself, then you don't have to go into despair and you don't have to fight alone. I think, well, for me, last year, oops, sorry, just slapped my <laughs> leg really hard. But um, last year was honestly the first time I like really shared my testimony because that's when I really felt like, God was working with me like yeah I I walked through some stuff but now I'm like on the outside of it and seeing where God was working and um we're at Forest Home as camp counselors me and three of my girlfriends well it was three of us two of my friends and um one night we had to like write down our testimonies and I was so scared to do it because it was my first time ever really writing my sin and we had and we traded it with each other and we're all you were re- like, I thought we were going to throw it in a fire. No, I know. I was like, wait, we have to <laughs> read, like, this. Really read this. We're supposed no. to nail this to the cross, I know. I was not like, read it oh, to each other. Oh man, like people are going to read this. Oh, and I did not hold back either. Cause I wasn't, we were next to a fire pit. So I was like, cool. Get to throw. <laughs> yeah. These are some old school, right? Any old thing. Yeah. I don't care. Old school so summer camp jokes. I did jokes not coming hold out. back. And, um, so we're my, well, we were supposed to throw it into the fire, but, my friend she's like oh like do you want to trade and i was like ah <laughs> i was like no not really but um of course i said yes and all three of us we kind of just like passed it to the person on the right and we're reading each other's testimonies at the same time and we just all look at each other and just start like bawling and mm-hmm. turns out like all three of our stories were almost identical and we've been walking in life together well not like together but we've just been in the same stage of life since middle school and we've known each other since middle school but we were just never able to connect through that and now like after everything we were able to share our testimonies and share where satan took advantage of us and just where Mm -hmm. god moved in that and we were able to relate to each other and i think that's where god's glory is finding out like when you share something with people people can relate to you and you're not alone not not only because god's with you but also because there's are people here too with you. I think that's how God is with you. Mm-hmm. And not to, that sounds like God's not with us in his spirit. Uh, in the Bible, healing comes from confessing to others, not confessing to God. Mm-hmm. God knows. And so in that moment, you got healed. And in so doing, like, uh, you get to be with him. Um, I remember Amy tells a story about praying for Lucy. Like, God, I pray when we adopted her, like, God, you would be with Lucy. God, be with Lucy. And Amy felt like the Lord said, no, that's what you're for. You be mm-hmm. with Lucy. That's me being with Lucy. Mm-hmm. And and it's not that God's not with Lucy, but you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like your friends doing that was God's way of being with you and was such a gift to you mm-hmm. physically. And uh, in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, he talks about how no one can understand you like a brother or sister in Christ because they are the only ones who've been under the cross as well. Mm-hmm. So when you share sin with them, they know the pain of that. They know the feeling of freedom. And nobody can really know you in, unless they have the Holy Spirit like you do. And, and that's that's the koinonia of the church. That's the unique fellowship you have with believers that makes confessing sin all the more worthwhile. Because there's a reward on the other side, and you got to experience that reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're not alone. I think that anytime we confess sin, or at least in the huddle, when I say something, all the guys are nodding their head <laughs> yeah. around. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. I, you just said it first. <laughs> yeah. And there's you, power yeah. there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, I don't know how many times Scott has said, my dad died in jail. 
I got a girl pregnant. Uh, Jesse said he got arrested for meth from the stage yeah. on purpose, yeah. right? There is power in seeing the people on the stage that typically you would look up to and say, oh, they're so holy, say, no, me too. Me too. You can, you can confess as well. Um, and then the freedom comes. And it, go ahead. Confessing takes the power of that sin away from sin, I think. Yeah, and the moment you start to feel self-righteous, Peter is like, hey, real quick, I cut a guy's ear off and denied Christ three times like a month ago. So everybody <laughs> calm down. Or the moment Paul starts to feel self-righteous in Philippians 2, he's like, I got all this reason to boast, but I can't boast. Mm-hmm. I persecuted the church. I'm the least of the saints. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a certain beauty in holding closely the memory of your broken sinfulness and holding more closely the beauty of the gospel. And the more you can do that dance, I think the more you're mature. Some people think maturity is like out, you know, outpacing your sin, like, oh, you don't sin anymore. Uh, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, the most mature version of the Apostle Paul, is like, here's the two things I know. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The gospel and my own brokenness mm-hmm. <laughs> at the height of maturity. And if, you, if you're around some old saints, some old followers of Jesus, they, they're slower and more believing because they've been forgiven and they know their sin. Mm-hmm. This is great. Okay. We're wrapping up, Josh. Do you feel uh, like you shared everything that you could from this passage that you want the church to, to glean from it? Cause if not, now's your chance. My, my hope in all of it was that we would become a confessional people because there is a great reward in that confession. And the reward is the, the beauty of the gospel being applied to your life and the beauty of Christian community helping you. Uh, and if you don't receive those gifts, uh, then death may not be tomorrow, but you're sowing the seeds of death versus sowing the seeds of life. So good. Okay, cool. So a uh, special segment. We've got a listener question. Um, we've had them in the past, but we kind of weave them into the conversation. This is a special one. It's a very interesting question. Uh, so somebody asked on Instagram, what, you know, we talked a lot about confessing sin to others. How do we treat sins that we committed in our past before we b- were believers? Or even like, let's say my case, I was born in the church. I was always a believer, but there's this sin I used to do in high school and college that I don't do anymore. Just add it to your testimony. Do I, yeah, like 10 years later when I'm in huddle, do I have to start confessing every single thing that I've done in my whole life? How do we, um, how do we do that? If, if it's ongoingly convicting you, if the Holy Spirit keeps bringing it up, I think it would be wise to share that with someone. Uh, even if it was 10 years ago, like, hey, this thing happened, but I can't seem to shake it. When I pray, when I worship, uh, I should share with someone. Uh, but if, if you feel like it's gone, um, even in God, there is a tension because God says, when you confess your sins, I send them as far as the East is from the West, the East and the West never touch. So, uh, or I bury them on the bottom of the ocean floor. Mm. You know how we don't know what the bottom of the ocean floor. James Mar- Cameron enters the chat. Yeah. Oh, the Mariana trench. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Did you hear about the boat yes, that got lost? Yes, yes, yes. Terrifying. It is very terrifying. Recently. Oh, a submarine went looking for oh, the Titanic. Oh yeah, the Titanic. Yeah. And you just, paid 250 K to yeah, go find the Titanic person. and then you and they have lost. like 40 hours of oxygen. Well, and then they had, right they were now. training for like days, months oh. before. Yeah. Very, very, very scary. Uh, dun, dun, dun. World news podcast <laughs> alert. <laughs> Back to what Pacific we're talking Rim. about. I mean, yeah. the short answer, I guess the short answer is if, if you feel conviction, confess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I add something before we close out? Please. Uh, Josh, you said something on Sunday that really stuck with me. Wait. I even you're, wrote you're it down. Tr- you, you, get, you get to do it, but uh, before we change subjects, w- something that struck me is if I'm putting myself in that person's shoes, like, man, I don't want to confess this. Um, I think what you're trying to do is avoid that awkwardness Mm. of saying it out loud. And if you're like, Oh, I don't have to confess it. It's fine. It's in the past. That awkwardness will be outweighed by the relief that you feel to just get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. So maybe just share it. It's a good word. Just share it. Segment over. Yeah. Yeah, Segment over. My turn. Take it away. Um, You said your secret place is where you are transformed and you can have a secret life with God or you can have a secret life with sin. Either way it will transform you. And I thought that was 
a really good nugget. She just printed a t-shirt with that quote I did. on it. I printed 50 of them. They'll be selling on Sunday. $10. No. Um, but I just thought that was just so true. Like you can, like God gave us death as a gift, but he also gave us choice and we get to choose to live how we live our secret lives. And you like what the Bible says, yeah. go into a room and shut the door and pray and be with God. And we get to choose what we do behind those doors. And I, I thought that was really cool, especially when it comes to confession, when it comes to being in a community and then it comes to leading a life with God. Thank you for the encouragement, Nicole. I always wonder if you even listen to my sermons at all. So it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So you listen and wrote down a quote. Thank you. It's going to slide. Uh, <laughs> de- <laughs> death is a gift to the believer, mm-hmm. but to the unbeliever, death is not the same gift. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're fostering a life of death now, then you will just ongoingly be in death. And I think that's the beauty of fostering life now, then you will ongoingly be in life. And uh, what the gospel does is transfers us from the dominion of death into the dominion of life. And we're supposed to stay in the fight to stay alive uh, versus staying dead in your trespasses and sin. And so um, the, the famous quote is every time a Christian sins, they have an identity crisis. They forget who they are. Uh, because it is possible. The Bible actually calls us to perfection. Just everyone on the podcast know, be holy as I am holy is a command to perfection, but we're not there yet, but keep fighting. Uh, don't, don't settle. That's, that's kind of where we ended the sermon is, uh, never make peace with your sin. It is your enemy. It leads to death. Never make peace. Mm. Cause when you don't sin, you bring heaven on earth. That's the kingdom. Amen. That's what we'll get in full. Awesome. Period. Thank you guys. Okay, cool. So um, keep listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, we want to hear your questions. We still <laughs> keep listening. Please listen. No, uh, no, we do this for you, for our joy and for your joy and hopefully growth. Um, so please send in your questions after the message to podcast at gracesd.com. Check out our Instagram. We will have a place to ask questions and we will see you guys next week. Bye.